<laughs> Welcome to another dose of Roberta's Rewind. This week I was honored to have Miss Patricia Fasima Bijirua on the show talking about being an African child. Is it a privilege or a disbenefit? And there's so many things we talked about. We're going to go into that. Because I guess all of you have your preset mindsets. But I really hope this conversation builds more on what you really think being an African child is about. And we get to break the chains that we think having served us well and how better we can do as Africans to better the culture and see that things turn out in a much better way for our children than perhaps it did for us maybe there are a few things we're not happy with and also to appreciate things like um, the togetherness, the collectivism and also see its its cons as much as we see its pros and yeah, basically that's it and just dig in and really, really enjoy yourselves and hope to see you next week. Thank you. Bijidwa, most people know her as Trisha Tuasima. She's a feminist lawyer, LLB at MOOC. For those who don't know, that's a Bachelor of Laws. She's a master, Master's of Laws at Georgetown University. And uh, the rest can be Google everywhere on the internet i am so humbled to have on my podcast today she's such an amazing phenomenal woman and i think she's going to have a lot to share on this topic on whether being an african child is really a privilege or a disbenefit mm-hmm. for someone who has been exposed like herself i really think that the perspective is going to be a lot more wider being for the audience um this is uh, about being raised in africa of course this is a ideas what being an african child is you're an african child till your parents i think can't walk perhaps or i don't know how far it stretches but like you're really an african child that says when you're 30 when you're 40 when you're 50 when you're six you're still a child in the african setting you're, you're still a child for as long as your parents can still give a notable a reasonable uh, contribution to types of decisions you make when you do something you always be a child in their eyes and that is it so yeah so uh, the conversation is going to vary over so many things but is in Africa you're literally raised by your whole village like the always uh, okay in the modern context our extended family but even your parents mm-hmm. have friends who are like family, like aunties that are not aunties. Your mom's friends are your aunties. Um, but um, of course, the development of, of technology, education and rights, and other factors that haven't really remained consta- constant, um, I think it has been an eye-opener. So very many things have changed. Um, people want to be heard out, traditions, and all these things have played a very big role in understanding whether or how we were raised. Like Trisha's a millennial, so she, she, she has had more of the African <laughs> raising than I have, as someone who's just recent in the 2000. Aren't you a millennial as well, technically? Okay, yes, technically. Yes. <laughs> but the perspective is a bit much wider, and I... Uh, this audience is going to enjoy itself. So, 
I better embark on what being an um, So the first, we're going to um, blend the challenges and the privileges at the same time. Yeah. So we shall be, yeah, yeah, spread um, optimism, optimism and positivity. I can start with one. Um, what's your, what's your say on um, um, having tenacity? Do you have being raised than a and expound when you say tenacity what does that mean exactly um, i want us to like really unpack some of these terms <laughs> okay um, nothing comes easy nothing comes easy the fact that you're raised in an african ha- household you know everything you have you must work for to a certain degree like you're just never handed i just ask and just get is that a good thing i don't know I want you to help me understand because, of course, mm. to a certain degree, yes, of course, through life you realize that some of these things, some to a mm. given degree, it is to some extent it's not because some something genuinely, but because I would not want to unpack the podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> please go ahead yeah. your your opinion. Okay, so first of all, I don't think that. I think sometimes there is a a misconception about what it means to be African. In this case, what it means to be an African child. And there's a misconception sometimes that the grass is greener on the other end, which I want to dispel, right? Being a child in any context is difficult for very many reasons, right? Because essentially, our parents parents find it difficult to see children as full human beings. That's not only in the African context. That's a problem. That's a that, that's something that we need to change. That's a way of parenting that uh, we need to change. Sometimes it appears that way. Um that it's more more it's more centered on being on being african but i don't think that that's true the other thing is that i think that we do ourselves um a disservice when we normalize certain harmful practices and we normalize those practices by assuming that those are central to African parenting because they are not, right? So our parents are who they are because life and experiences have shaped them that way. That it's mm. it's neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. But it's important, particularly for us. I mean, I'm 28 years old, which means that I'm about to start actively thinking about having kids. It's important for me and for anybody really not to imagine that African parenting is a monolith um, and that African parenting must always look a certain way um, and that's just how things are. No, right? There are things that are done right. There are things that are important. There are values and principles and things that we need to continue. But there are also so many others that we need to unpack there are so many, there's so much trauma that needs to be healed 
um there's so much like cycles there's so many cycles that we need to make sure that we don't repeat with our own children for those of us who have younger siblings with our own with younger siblings and things like that right so that's just like to like yeah. center this conversation now tenacity is a <laughs> it's an <laughs> interesting thing i guess to consider when parenting I am personally of the view that it's not important for not only African children, but even particularly for black children to be raised with this idea that tenacity is first and foremost what they need. My opinion is that first and foremost, African children, because of how harsh the world is and because of how difficult it is to navigate the world as an African, need home to be a safe space. They need to always feel loved. They need to be validated because the outside world doesn't respond to us in those ways for the most part, right? So I think that first and foremost, what is necessary is not to teach these children to be strong because they will be strong simply by how the world um, treats us First and foremost, it's important mm-hmm. that these children know that they are loved, that they are important, that they are validated, that their Africanness is not an inherent disadvantage, right? And perhaps that's where our understanding of parenting and how we should be parenting should start from. Wow. That that's that's enthralling. I think that the audience is captivated. You know, when the 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 crowd goes silent, and <laughs> the, now someone just starts to clap. That that's what I was supposed to be yeah. doing. But I'm very, and I I've never looked at it that way. I think that's a big eye opener because yes, I have thought of something in that line, but I had never known how to like a feeling that you have that you never know how to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 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 really important to have a safe space. Okay, mm-hmm. so the next thing is um, mental captivity based mm-hmm. on community stereotypes, um, being taught practices without principles and thinking for some reason, because it's like that and they never questioned while growing up, they were raised in a typical African setup where kids are like children in the literal sense. You do not, you have a very small set or nothing at all. So because they never asked why, and because now for us we have been exposed and what, when we ask why we're just supposed to do, even when it comes to things like hard work, when a child says, I do not want to do medicine or I don't want to do engineering or law, I feel like doing social policy or doing social sciences or doing computer science because I have a love for coding. No, 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 no. Kids these days are getting out of line. How can you do something without your parents' consent? Which is very funny. <laughs> to hear someone mm. say something like that when it comes to making a career choice, something that I'm going to carry on for the rest of my life because you lived the age between 20 to 28 or 30 and that was your time. For some reason, it looks like as if in our setting, it, it must be dictated to be a certain way and, and I would want to to have your view on that. Yeah. Um. So first and foremost, just to also stress, like that's not, uh, I know we're talking about being African and it's important for us to center Africanness, right? 
but that's that experience is not exclusive to African children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is not. That's. I think that that's a struggle that generally parents have, and perhaps when we have our own children, and I don't even think it comes from a bad place. The thing that happens is that you're so consumed with protecting your children, right? And the only way you know how to protect them is to force them, to push them to succeed in the ways that you've succeeded. So, you know, we have, like, parents have only seen, I've only imagined success to be, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And I think that it's important for our generation, particularly if we are privileged enough to be able to Mm. push back, to say, no, that's not how you succeed only right and also just say listen yeah. just because i'm doing medicine doesn't necessarily guarantee success the challenge i think is that many of us have defined success in this very capitalist terms so no one is asking is my child happy is my child fulfilled right so people are yeah. just saying are they making money that's not the only thing that should be important. There's this poem that I love and I encourage people to read it. It's by Khalil Gibran. Um, the poem is called On Children. And one of the verses says, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. Like, I think it's important for us to, to, for, for re- us to really, and, and for parents and children to understand that our parents are vessels. But ultimately, I am living for myself. And yeah. it's important for me to be able to define what that looks like. And it's important for me to be able to make mistakes and grow and learn from them. Right? Because this is a yeah. thing, Roberta, our parents have lived their lives. They have made choices, including bringing us into this world that we did not ask for, that we did not question. Yeah. But now we are here. And I want to be able to say that I have decided my life for myself. Like it's important for me. It's been important. It has been a journey for myself as well to get to this point where I make my parents understand that, listen, you are probably the most important thing in my life. Yes, but it is still my life. It means that even when your opinion is important, ultimately, I need to be able to listen and make my own choice. And sometimes that choice means that I've listened to your opinion and I don't agree. And that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a level of infertilizing, like this and idea. Yeah, that, that, that part. You know, that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Like this idea that we that your like your children, even when even when you're ten years old, you have an opinion, and your opinion is valid. Yeah. You can that's... be guided. You can be advised, but it's important for I you. I think that. Mm. Yeah. You go. Mm, I do agree. I, yeah, yeah I, I was saying that I do agree that for so long, I think I, I, I began to understand that emotions are valid when I was mm-hmm. like 16. 
when mm-hmm. I was like in S4, which is sad because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because when you are young, for some reason, because of how we are raised, we feel like when you're angry, you shouldn't be angry. You're the one in the wrong. Because yeah. when I think that that's something African parents never put into perspective to appreciate that as kids, we see our parents as almighties. Mm. as mm. they can never fault even mm. when you're when you're in when they have done something that you don't necessarily like you always want to draw it like point the finger back to yourself and be like i am the i'm in the wrong like i shouldn't mm. even be angry these people are doing too much for me already mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and it, it was it, it has been an interesting journey unraveling that and beginning to understand that not all the time i'm wrong i'm invalid or when yeah. I'm wrong, sorry, not all the time they are wrong or they do something that I am not comfortable with. I'm not in a place to say I don't like that because yeah. it's against my humanity. I am abandoning, sacrificing myself mm-hmm. and choosing other people over myself, which I don't think is right. It's it's going to create a sort of, like you say, those chains of the it's same like, thing just because it change. happened to you. Yeah. That's right, as long as you can't hear it. Yeah. Okay. So, let's define what moral compass means. Like, what does that mean? Um, what moral like, are they important? And why are they important? Like, I think it's important for us to first... I'm curious, for me, when you say moral compass, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, in the lines of respect... I think of human values. Okay, not human values necessarily. I don't know. It's like we over-respect. I ever felt something like that. Like we overly respect the extent that we take in even the unnecessary. Like we don't even have boundaries because we are that as long as they are that's older than you. Yeah, and, and that's, that's also not a moral compass. You see, I, I feel like. For me, a moral compass is are you a good person? But being a good person is not synonymous with being a matter. And sometimes we conflate that too. We imagine that being 110% selfless and focusing first and foremost on others and never on yourself is the measure for being a good person. But that's not true. Um, it's important to have boundaries. It's important to be respectful. Respect is, by the way, and um, respect must be mutual. Um, because ultimately, I want us to understand that we are all worthy, right? We are worthy by virtue of being here. Roberta, I am not worthy of more respect than you based off my accomplishments. No. All of us are worthy. All of us must be able to understand that we all contribute in one way or another. Yeah, the degrees may sometimes vary, but first and foremost, those aren't cast in stone, so those always change. But secondly, like I said, it's important for us to redefine our like what we value and what we consider worthy based away from capitalist measures 
because by capitalist standards you're more worthy if you're contributing more financially or if you have a bigger title or all these skilled measures that we have which for me i not only reject i resent uh that's first and foremost secondly morals are not universal in the ways in which we think they are so they also vary like what different people consider moral like for me for example i don't consider having a tattoo immoral i have three and counting and i'm still <laughs> a very in my opinion and i think in minnesota's opinion a respectful respectable high achieving firstborn daughter me i don't think that wearing what i want when i want to wear it is immoral because it doesn't take away from who i am ultimately as a person i still contribute in the ways that i do i still show up for people with love and kindness because those are things that are more important right yeah So yes. I think that we need to redefine what we consider moral because you see those skewed definitions by the way are ultimately what makes us think that a politician who steals millions of shillings that are meant for um sick people when they enter church should be given a fast seat simply because you know no like we must come to the point where you're deemed moral is that a word <laughs> you're deemed to have morals based on how you treat people and how people experience you right not all these um falsified uh, like limitations that we put on ourselves yeah and and that's 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 um i think one of the most i think in our culture mm. and it plays from a very young age you see when we were being raised i don't know if you remember obey your parents yeah mm. obey your parents and, yeah with, but the bible says obey your parents with reverence in bible, the lord first of all Roberta, the bible is not a credible source of information to be honest because and i think that that's there's a there's a conflation first of all we don't all believe in the bible even in africa we don't all believe yeah. in the bible and i'm sure there are people here who have varying religious beliefs religion is important to you but your religion cannot be the basis upon which i live my life because you have chosen to believe that and that's important for you and i respect that but it can't yeah. be an imposition on my life right and yeah. also to further contextualize as someone who was born and raised christian the bible was written how many years after jesus died things have changed it it's it's important for us to really acknowledge that it's a it's a good guidance tool but i cannot be held hostage by things that men wrote 2021 plus years ago 
that were written in Koreans. I'm not a Corinthian. I'm a Ugandan. My context <laughs> is different. So I will not be held hostage by the letters of Korean. I wasn't there. I didn't, I don't, I don't subscribe. You get it? Uh, so yeah. as a whole, it's important. It can be important, but it cannot be a law. The, I, I, and I think, I think sometimes eh, when I was on that, I was having a journey of, of, uh, of starting to like question I'd like sometimes really wonder how come in Uganda where we have a church every two kilometers, every two kilometers you drive, there is a church. Mm-hmm. But in nowhere where people seem to be adrift from in court's religion, mm-hmm. when someone finds your wallet, they'll, they'll, they'll take it to a police station and say, this wallet was found. I think um, it should be returned to the rightful owner. But in Uganda, if it's found, you if it's lost, it's lost. You'll never see mm-hmm. it again. Mm-hmm. It can never be put at the next station. So that's what has, and that's where it comes and it it make, it makes like it rings a bell. So mm-hmm. how moral are we? Are we mm-hmm. moral because exactly. we are Christian? Are yeah. we moral? Are we supposed to be hu- like I think for for some reason people have taken religion and made it uh, like cover up even the humanity part like people mm-hmm. being human and knowing what it's like to be a human being how to treat each other mm-hmm. and even the bible only they they best those things they never want to follow they want to pick out the parts that they can use to prejudice other people or make them to or judge people to make them feel like what you're doing is so uncomfortable or is so wrong yeah so and it's also just like uh it's not only dishonest it's also just not if we're ready to think about Christianity based off um, Jesus's way of living, then the Jesus of Nazareth would not be able to recognize the Jesus that is preached in churches today. Because sure. how I think about my spirituality now, which has evolved from being defined simply as being Christian, it's that... God is love. Yeah. Me, can you convince me that the creator of the universe can become annoyed because I got a tattoo? The creator of the universe <laughs> of all planets is upset that I got a tattoo. No, no, no. That's a, that, so you see, we need to be able to separate also religion from God. Religion is money. People have made these rules and prescribed them for us. Now, particularly as Africans who also understand the ways in which these religions came to to be brought to us and why it is they were introduced. I cannot be held hostage. I refuse. And that doesn't make me immoral because the people who are sitting in your churches are not moral. The other reason this country is as messy as it is, right? Yeah. So for me, yeah. it has been important first and foremost to define for myself what do I believe and why. I believe in being good. I believe in being just. I believe in being kind, right? I believe yeah. that 
all human beings need to be treated with dignity regardless of social status and whatnot. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't get a tattoo. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I must study a course that my parents have prescribed. And for so long, yeah. we have been held hostage by these beliefs that are, by the way, inherently also un-African. Yes? Yeah. Over to you. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next thing is uh, financial literacy. Mm. I really feel like how we are raised. Mm-hmm. Yes, perhaps. Okay, me, I was raised by my mom. My mom taught me saving skills. Mm. However, much yeah, even the, even through the mistakes I made, she has been really patient, eh? like mm. really patient on how like I use the money. One, telling me you need to have some to a certain degree, have money of your own, or do not like. But then I still feel like there's a gap, like there is mm. a gap because NSSF just thought of recent to begin teaching people how to buy shares and how to begin retirement plans early enough, or how to so. Why is it so frustrating? Like it's it's like we're not raised to be independent. We Mm. are only supposed to be adults or be yeah adults at a certain level when it's convenient. When it's not convenient, please be a child. Yeah, that's so. I want to know your say on that. I wonder. So I think to 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 really appreciate why our parents are the way we are, they are. I think it's also <laughs> to just like understand how they grow up, the context, actually like if it's like Uganda, like the context of because our parents grew up at a very different time, right? For most of yeah. them, they also didn't have anything to save. They were in survival mode yeah. 24-7. And sometimes it's difficult to see like what is missing until you see yeah. that it's missing. So we yeah. also, so I'm, I'm very gracious uh, to our parents in that regard because for the most part, they didn't know any better. They were doing their, their, their very best stuff. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from <laughs> what we now know is missing. Yeah. So an example, kids in the US at... As young as five years old, the kids now have piggy banks. Kids are setting up lemonade stands and, like, you know, selling themselves and blah, 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 blah. Kids are asking questions. They're doing science presentations and they're all these things. Um, us, at five years old, you start asking questions. They start saying, ah, Konkoi not just Jesse. Yeah, there's a lack of understanding that how you raise your kid ultimately affects who they become as adults. Yeah. So you cannot expect that an adult questions if they are not allowed to question as a child, where do they gain that confidence? Where do they, wait, you know what I mean? And and yeah. still, that should show us in the ways in which our country is governed 
and the things we tolerate why yes, that's a problem true. i think about like i've been thinking about schools and how schools treat parents and how parents allow themselves to be treated can you imagine that we have accepted that parents are not allowed to see where their children sleep because schools <laughs> have said so and what happens as a result Roberta, you and I know that dangerous conditions under which most schools um, yeah. are, are treating children. Yes, true. But we're just accepting. Yeah. Just accept because you're not, you're not allowed to question authority from a young age. So much so that even your child's welfare, you're unable to push back. That's a problem. Think about mm. our leaders and the things we accept from them. You get it? So this idea yeah. that questioning is bad is a dangerous narrative. And there's no reason as to why we should be accepting our children to be like that. Me, I wasn't raised like that. My parents allowed me to ask. And as a result, I ask. I say, Why? You should be able to explain yourself. I'm not being disrespectful. I am curious. I want to understand. That's not a bad thing. On so let me bring it back to the financial literacy thing. It's important for us to understand that there are things that perhaps may even be more important for success than just cramming and passing exams so what does it mean to be a complete and whole adult yeah yeah you can pass all the exams and everything blah 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 but ultimately you need to be able to know how to manage money you need to be able to have critical thoughts you need to be able to know how to look at an issue that you have not been taught in school and know how to navigate that. But if we don't allow our kids to learn those skills when they are young, it's impossible to learn them as an adult. And even when there are exceptions and you do learn them, that it's too laborious a process. It shouldn't have to be that hard. Yeah. I do agree, I, I do agree. Yeah, old habits die hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so um, I think this will be the last, and given that next month at here at Roberta's Rewind, it's going to be Mental Health Month. Mm-hmm. I want to, you to give the perspective with which parents have handled, African parents have handled the mental health campaign and how serious it's being taken because in my view, mm. I really feel like they think it's a joke. Actually, when you say you're depressed, they say, why are you? How can you be depressed? Why aren't, what aren't you giving you? Don't you eat food? Don't you drink water? Don't you have where to sleep? I think they think that's what in life is entirely. But also because our parents' parents, our grandparents never mm. cared about mental health. That these parents of ours alone, their mental health may not be in the right place. It's really so they, I don't think for the most part. Yes, for the most part. So they may not even know when the kid says, I'm depressed. Or, yeah. please do not make me do this course. I don't think I'll be able to handle. And two years later, we're here. 
a student of engineering committed suicide. And those are stories we hear constantly, day in, day out. But it's like, it's it's said there's a lot of panic and then it stops. It's just some yeah. other thing that will happen. So I, what's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's also that they don't know any better, to be honest. So two things. First, this is an extremely privileged conversation because when you are in survival mode only, you sometimes don't have the luxury of beginning to even like have this conversation right i want yeah. you to first acknowledge what like the level of privilege it takes to be able to even for parents to be able to think oh it does would this depress my child would this bring them joy things like that um secondly <laughs> many of our parents have experienced these things and in their heads they think they've experienced things and survived <laughs> they're not saying i've experienced this thing and thrived which is what we're saying we're saying we want to thrive yeah. right we don't want to just survive because surviving yeah. i mean we're surviving but i don't think that that's how life should be experienced because otherwise what's the point i want to be able to feel joy and happiness and to like being here because we're not only here for for we're only here for as as long as we are which is you know in the grand scheme of things not very long yeah so how do we enjoy being here it doesn't have to be laborious all the time i reject this gospel of suffering 24 7 when does it end you get it yeah so it's important for those of us who are able because not everyone still is able to have those conversations to begin to say but why is that important to you why is my happiness not important? And because we are mostly taught to self-doubt from such an early age, yeah. even we ourselves don't have the luxury of really digging deep to find out what it is we truly want and to trust it because we've been taught that it's not important. What is it that would make me live fulfilled? But also, ultimately, what is it that is my purpose? We, you have to be able to find your purpose for yourself, Roberta. Your mom is not going to find your purpose. Your mom has her purpose, which she may have fulfilled or not fulfilled, but that's her business. What is your yeah. purpose? What is it that you will contribute to this world yeah yeah that can only be defined by yourself it can only be defined by yourself if you give yourself the time the space to think deeply about it outside all these expectations and all these prescriptions what is it that robata is destined to do. 
And if 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 you're unlucky not to discover that, then you go through life sad, unhappy, depressed, unconscious. And and then you wake up and you're 70 years old and you can't you, you can't turn it back. You haven't lived as bravely and thus as fully as you could have been. And what's the point? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Wow, wow, wow. It has been a precise but very enriched conversation. I think that's the best way I can put it. It I'm has glad. really been an English conversation. I think as kids, we are always so fast to say, I think this only happens in Africa. But I, I, I like the perspective with which you came. There isn't prejudice on any side. I think we all have a role to play. Mm. And here, as I began this podcast, I want to create spaces for conversations like this, for mm. parents to understand children, for children to understand parents, for people to understand each other for society to become better. And I think mm-hmm. having this conversation with a person like you, who I have been honored to have here, um, is going to make a much greater impact. So as we conclude the month of October, we are going to be having another podcast about passing um, the passage of culture and also what it's like to be an African parent. And we shall listen in from the parents. But mm. today has really been really fulfilling. Thank you so much, Trish, for joining me. And Thank you for having me. Just to yeah. also say, before, before the parent comes in, culture is not <laughs> static. Yes. Culture is made by people. Culture can evolve. There's sometimes this as if we're held hostage by this thing. People like to say, that's African culture. Okay, who made it? It is not handed down from the heavens. People make it. So if people can evolve, so can culture. True, true. I I think people are the culture in any (laughs) any case. Mm -hmm. So, yes, and I do agree with you. I do agree. So, um, it has been an honor to have you, Trish. Hopefully, again next year mm-hmm. on a much bigger, different conversation. And uh, please, um, please be sure that we we at Trabata's Rewind are very grateful for the knowledge that you've shared, and hopeful that the audience shall continue to um, contemplate on the things we have discussed here, and perhaps have such conversations and spread the knowledge and the joy. Yes. I am so glad so, to have been invited. Thank you. Yeah.